You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser, your host today in the Fargo studio, The Mothership, just across the parking lot from the Cathedral of St. Mary's and just next to the railroad tracks. That's where we are, downtown Fargo. I'd like to thank Father Tad Paholchek from the NCBC, the National Catholic Bioethics Center, last half hour for being on. Again, he's going to be in Fargo Saturday, October 9th for a great, great presentation. So it's going to be a wonderful. Well, we have a couple of young ladies in the studio studio here, Jeannie and Jody, and uh, they're going to talk about post-abortive healing. You know, as we start this 40 Days for Life campaign, um, so, so important. I was up at the abortuary this morning, and we were praying, of course, that that's what we do. <laughs> and uh, it's so important that we understand, that people really understand the personal side, mm-hmm. how it deeply affects not only the woman, but the family, the, the, the men, everyone, we're all mm-hmm. affected by it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yes. So again, welcome, Jody. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having us Absolutely. today. And Jeannie, thank you for coming. For, that's great. Let's talk a little bit about, you have a group called PALS, Post-Abortive Ladies. Let's talk a little bit about that and how, how this panel got together. Oh, I would love to do that, Tim. So the PALS is a group of women, um, and we're really a d- diverse group of women who would have probably never ever known each other except for one thing, Tim, and that is that each of us walked through the doors in an abortion facility to take the life of our child at one point in our lives. And, um, you know, the act of abortion that many of us thought was going to solve our problem, uh, probably maintain a relationship, or whatever our reason was for, for walking through those doors um, ended up bringing us much emotional, spiritual, and for some of us, even physical pain. And so what God did, Tim, is that we were asked, as women who've had abortion, um, to start sharing our stories. And our very first time we did it was um, back many years ago, and it was through the 40 Days for Life campaign we were asked, and um, we got together a group of seven women, and it was to clergy. The mm-hmm. first time we presented is to priests and pastors, and we're going, oh, we don't even know what we're doing. But we <laughs> did it, Tim, and I want to tell you... Um, it opened their eyes to so many things as to what you're alluding to, mm-hmm. that people sometimes, and they should definitely look at the innocent victim, and this is a child that had the abort, you know, that was aborted, mm-hmm. their life was taken. But the aftermath of what abortion does to women, um, there's no way to describe it, Harley, unless you've gone through it, right, Jeannie? No, there's, there's just not. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I really appreciate about the PALS is it puts a face, it puts a person on it. You know, we can all talk about a concept. Oh, yeah, you know, okay, uh, you know, women are hurt. You know, okay, I, I kind of get that. But when someone is up there, this is a real person sharing a real story about their real experience. Mm-hmm. Putting a face and a name on it is just amazing. So, you know, you talked about it, Jody. I mean, many women, the guilt, the fear, the shame, all mm-hmm. this thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they, they keep it inside, you know. Jeannie, maybe share with us, why, why, why did you choose, you know, because, you know, every time you talk about it, I'm sure it probably brings back these memories, but is there also a peace that comes from it? Why, why do you share this with people, knowing that, you know, all these things you've gone through and the difficulties? Well, I, I know I share now because I know the pain I went through um, 
and because it was a secret for 17 years. I did it and never talked about it for 17 years, or 13 years. When you keep something inside that long, it doesn't go away. You can't bury it. It just gets bigger. And when I finally, when it broke loose in me one day and was going to come out, and it was not pretty the way it came out. It was not healthy. It was not good for anybody involved. And as I got into the healing part of it, the more I got into it, and then I ran into Jody and the Pals, and I've, I felt destined. I always felt destined that there was some way I was supposed to use it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the term, make, make your mess your message. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was 20 years old, little did I know, I didn't say, well, I want to go out and be a post-abortion lady speaker, yeah. but, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the path I've had, mm-hmm. so... That's how I got here, um, feeling, and now I continue to do it because the, you get to a place of healing. People think, well, how did you find healing? You know, it's not an event. Healing is not an event. It takes time. It's a process. It's mm-hmm. a long process. Lifelong process, I would guess. Yes, because mm-hmm. you, you start from the eruption, whether it's the day you walk out of the abortion facility or whether you get a reprieve for two or three weeks and feel the relief of, oh, that's over, then it starts to build up. It you, you carry it with you. It's like a silent cancer, and it grows to the point until it it demands attention. Mm-hmm. And when it does, mm-hmm. and I, the, the women I have spoken to, and that have come to me once I have even the first when I was in places and I would break down and start to cry or something, and I'd say, "Oh, I I had an abortion." And when women would start to say back to me, oh, so did I, you know, mm. realizing I wasn't alone mm. and realizing and being able to open up. And, you know, that was continuous, a continuous long process. So finding the healing for myself and the, then women start to come to you or women, it's not even that they come to you, but once somebody else knows and they can tell somebody, they say, mm-hmm. you know, I know this woman, this really nice woman, or I know this woman who went through that. Maybe you just want to talk to her. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you can just start one person from ta- talking, that's, that to me is what it's all about. Is I always say if I can help one person find the relief or find the open, open the door to finding relief because it, you don't just go get absolved of it. It's... It, and it, it ebbs and flows. Jody and I talk about it all the time, you know. You never forget certain things set you off, you know. Um, and a personal experience in my family. Recently, there was a miscarriage of a very much wanted child. And it's been a huge upheaval of my emotions, um, a shared experience with my, with my daughter-in-law. It's been, it's just... It's woven into every bit of your life, and I just continue to carry that forward now and try and be a positive, how can you say, a positive face for post-abortion, but a healing face. Mm -hmm. And we know, too, Tim, that there's many, many women like us, as you said, who carry the secret sin. There's women that we work with, and the normal amount of time that women keep this a secret is 10 years I'm working with a woman now who's been 30 years. You know, you just it just goes on and on, as Jeannie spoke about. So we do publicly share. And even to your listening audience today, Tim, there's someone that's listening right now, you know that, who's listening to Jeannie and I, and they've carried the secret sin, you know. And they're like us because we all said, boy, I wish I could just go back and undo that. And what we, we, what we share with people, and, 
You know, we want to speak to a listening audience, even of younger people who probably just got a positive test today, mm-hmm. and we're, we're giving them information. We can equip you, we can tell you that as difficult as you think single parenting might be, when you choose abortion, the consequences of that is way worse, you know. So we want to equip people. We want them to know that abortion is a decision that once you make this decision, and there's not many decisions like this in life, you could never ever undo this and, and that that is one we, reason i think the other reason that we share i know we share it tim is that as post-abortive women as post-abortive women we get to the point where we think we are so broken mm-hmm. and so messy that god even god could never forgive us you know not even to mention how we work through our own healing mm-hmm. You know, but but we get there, you know, so we publicly share to do that. We publicly share to tell people that there is no sin too big that God cannot forgive, that God's grace covers every sin, that these are women who, like Jeannie and I, can you know, they can exchange their pain for God's peace or this grief that we carry, which is a process to work through, you know, that we can receive God's grace. So we share for those reasons, because these women like us, lived in fear for years, mm-hmm. don't find out about me, don't know who I totally am, and God says, you give me that fear and I will give you freedom. So we share for those reasons to introduce them to women like them who have found freedom, grace, mercy, and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. That is why we share, and that is what the pals do. Exactly. You mentioned three great things there, freedom, grace, and mercy. You know, I, I think that's such an important thing. You look all the way through scripture, for instance, of the people who are, caught, whether it's the woman caught in adultery or the mm-hmm. woman where Christ casts out seven mm-hmm. demons or Mary Magdalene. The, the idea that there's nothing you can do, there's no sin you can commit that is beyond God's mercy. There's oceans of, oceans of mercy there. And, but, but, but the thing is, we as human beings know, we have that sense that, oh my goodness, especially when it comes to another human life. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times, of course, they make this decision under some type of stress, don't they? Mm-hmm. Oh, under great duress. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, many people, I, oh, I, I can't remember the writer, I'm trying to think, but a, a pro-abortion person Oh, I know what it was. This was back when I was having discussions in Concordia. I was, you know, writing back and forth and talking back and forth with a couple of faculty and students there. And they basically said, well, no woman wants to go and do this. They just sometimes feel like they don't have any other choice. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that uh, maybe some women feel, you know, they're, they're coerced, they're, they don't see any other way around it. Well, I can speak to that. Um, that was my story. Um, I was married at the time, mm-hmm. and I already had two beautiful children. And when I told my husband I was pregnant, just the look on his face it was just there was well you'll have to have an abortion hmm. and so i was instantly in this place i don't know if i'll stay with you if you if you have this child well, that was that was the response the support i got from my spouse um and i was a catholic girl married you know this was a child in my marriage and i immediately went into this place of fear self doubt and i i equated to i was pushed into a tunnel and it was dark and I could not see any other way out, um, you know. And I think that's what we were talking about, Tim. It's sometimes the consequences of not choosing abortion to Jeannie and other women look worse. You know, the consequences of losing my husband, whatever the threat or whatever sure. the advice you're getting. And it does, it does um, put us in that place where if I don't choose abortion, 
what will the for, for me it was and for every woman for Jeannie it was very different because she was married she'd grown up in the catholic faith she knew children were a gift from god and to be pushed into that you know many women that we work with tim have grown up in a church in fact in fact statistics show that 40 percent of women who walk into an abortion facility i want you to listen to this attend church once or twice a month hmm. and they find themselves in this situation and um you know for whatever reason Maybe it's just to cover up their sin, just like David did. He, you know, in the Bible, Bathsheba, yeah. totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why did why did he have to kill Uriah to cover up this? So yeah. there's times too where women move in that, like I don't want to be caught in this sin because we don't think people will understand it. The church, or who, and this is not a condemnation on the church. The church is doing the right thing in the teaching. That is not what I'm saying. But for women, we go. I have to cover this up. Mm-hmm. I have to get rid of this, you know. So the consequences of not doing that abortion at that moment seems worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's so, so unfortunate because they have no idea, like what we do right now, that the end result of going through the doors of that abortion clinic and how that will affect your life is lifelong. What it looks like one year, five years, seven years down the road. And the thing that sticks in my mind is the statistic. When I first learned this, you know, they say one in four women will have an abortion by the time they're 35 or 40, or one in three. I used to go to church and count the women, one, two, three, four, and I knew the three women sitting next to me, and I'd say, the fourth one? No, couldn't have. She, mm-hmm. You know, I knew these mm-hmm. women, but that was the way my mind worked at mm-hmm. that point. And I was, so I was always looking like, I was always counting or thinking, which of my friends, which of, who else do I know? Sure. And I didn't know anybody because this was my sin. Mm-hmm. This was my bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that people were looking at you. Here's this good Catholic girl, husband, family going to Mass. There's no way she would have had an abortion. You know, they're looking at you the same way. And it really brings up a good point because... Sometimes, you know, this, you talked about whether it's your marriage or what it's things. These are things that people can see, you know. It's okay, my husband's going to leave me if I have an abortion. People are going to see that. This is going to be devastating for me. At the same time, the unseen, right, that, that unborn, you know, the right to life is from conception. And so the idea that if it's, if it's not seen, you know, then mm-hmm. it'll be less of a problem, mm-hmm. that's a difficulty. We're talking with the pals, your post-abortive ladies, Jody and Jeannie. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, more of their personal witness. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll be back right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together toward success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Nefesh, that ephemeral combination of body and soul driving us toward wholeness or destruction. There is no middle ground when it comes to our consciences. They steer us in one direction or the other. Experiences shape our moral compasses, and yet, the self-appointed moralities of man are flawed. For instance, to abort or not abort, 
This endless debate cannot negate this truth. We are not the givers of life. The irrefutable morality of the value of life resides in the very fact that women have wombs. But at the worldwide rate of an abortion for every one of my heartbeats, how will mankind thrive or even survive? Written by Alison Updahl. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser, coming at you from the Fargo studios today. Did you know that Real Presence Live has an app? That's right. You can listen to us on an app. Go to the App Store and find it. Now, if you think, oh, I don't know if I can do that, Tim. Well, my four-year-old, when we're going to deposit checks, we do it remotely. He says, I'm going to get the Wells Fargo app on your phone. He knows. He's four years old. He knows how to do apps. Don't be afraid. You can do it. It can be a great, great way to listen to Real Presence Radio. Because, you know, if you're driving around the road, Heather, Heather Carroll herself, you know, who works at Real Presence, when she drives up from Sioux Falls, there's a place in there where she doesn't have a Catholic radio signal. So she gets out, gets the app on her phone and listens that way. So, again, download the app and take us with you everywhere. We're talking with Jeannie and Jody the Decan about post-abortive healing. It's a difficult thing. I want to thank both of you for sharing it. Thank I can tell the emotions are still there even now as you share. One of the things that it does, it, what seems is going to change, you know, for the better, but really life after abortion can be quite difficult, can't it? Yes. Um, it changes everything. I'm, I just, I'm thinking back to the morning after mine, actually, as you were preparing this. And it's like, I remember waking up and thinking, oh, relief, you know, everything was over, life was going to go on. And I remember feeling that relief for about three days. And then after that, reality set, set in, mm-hmm. you know, and I started to have other, other, well, the realization, you know, because up until that time, I was out of touch with reality. I had thrown my life into taking care of my kids and making everything else look normal and be normal. And all of a sudden, mom wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say my kids woke up to a different mom on the third day after than, than the mother that put them to bed the two days before when I, when I left. Um, uh, so, but you, you, I went through these ups and downs, and like I say, for 13 years. And I slowly pulled further and further away from my husband. Um, it was it was never talked about. He didn't care to talk about it. I remember being in public, and I'd see people with three kids, and I'd start to cry. I'd have tears. Um, my two best girlfriends both had three children. Everywhere I went, I was it was like the number three was always there. Mm. Um, so you try and live around that, not see some of those things that are triggers for you, and yet they're continually in your path. And like I said before, for 13 years, I was able to keep it my secret, but not forever. 
Jody, I'm sure uh, Jeannie's story is just one of many that you've heard in the story as your own. This difficulty of, oh, I've got the problem healed. There's this momentary, right, relief, but that's very short-lived. I actually had no relief, Tim, and I'll tell you why. I was not, because when I went in for my my abortion, um, during the procedure, you know, you go through this procedure, Mm -hmm. as I laid on that table... I could no longer deny what I had tried so hard to deny. And laying there, I knew that my baby was dying or now dead. And I, I just broke, I mean, I broke on that table. Mm. And it was it was right there in front of me that um, there's no redos on this, like I said. And, um, you know, before I went in for my abortion, I chose to believe so many lies too, Tim. You know, the father of lies comes to our mind or mm-hmm. we're, we're feeling this pressure. For me, it was like... Um, I was a teacher and I felt like, well, I can't be a teacher and have this baby became an either or thing in my mind. Um, But my abortion changed my life dramatically, Tim. When I walked out of the abortion facility, and again, remember, I had my abortion to save my career. I quit my career. I was, I was, I could not teach anymore. The relationship with the father was over forever, you know, and he had advocated for the abortion much like Jeannie's husband had except this was a boyfriend of mine, but they advocate in that way. Well, I left him, and most relationships do not survive after that woman has that abortion because there is angry, there's frustration and all that, you know. And for other women, and this is true of myself, our lives just spiral out of control, Tim. And, and we know this from talking with many, many women who've had abortion. We start engaging in self-destructive behavior, and people go, well, why do you do that? Why, why do you start cutting yourself or eating disorders or alcoholism? Or why do you go into such self-hatred? And this happens, doesn't it, Jeannie? I mean, this is like bad. I mean, we're like, why are we destroying ourselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and really, the reason is, I believe, Tim, is because there's a sense of justice, sense mm-hmm. of justice within mm-hmm. us that says an innocent person has died and the guilty is going unpunished. Uh, unpunished. And that is such a devastating, devastating thing to know that Roe did this. Roe says, women, you can go in here and you can destroy your own child and you can come out and not be found guilty of anything. Mm-hmm. And society doesn't punish it. That's the law of the land. So when our lives start spiraling out of control and we're feeling this guilt like, well, I should be punished for what I did. This is so destructive, Tim. It's so not good health care for women. What happens to us is we end up destroying ourselves. We, we just do, you know. I think I can speak for just about every post-abortive woman that I've dealt with, that our abortions did not end the shame that we might have been feeling walking in there or our despair or even our fear, Jeannie. It was just the beginning, and we were driven to a place. You know, once that ball gets rolling the, of self-contempt and self-blame and mm-hmm. doubt and wondering how, you know, you hear said... What kind of women do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, look at us, yep. you know? All look, kinds of look, women. Right. It, yep. any, anybody can end up in that situation, so it's... That can and be it leads difficult. us to hopelessness and despair. That's where we, went. we really do end right. up, because we have this forbidden secret. And it is a secret. It's like, if this was such a great thing, why do all, why do all of us keep it a secret for so right. many years in our life? Yeah. It is like, don't know who I am. Yeah. Tim, I went into my marriage, and I'm speaking to women who might be listening right now who did as I did. And I never even told my husband that I'd had an abortion before I went into my marriage. I thought this, that if he knows, now this is before we're married, he's asked me to marry him. And I go, well, if he really finds out who I am or what I've done, he'll never want to marry me. But I want to tell you what was worse than that. 
was after we were married. And I would look at him every day and I would say, if you find out who I am, you're going to divorce me. That is how bad we feel about ourselves. Where we, our, our sense of femininity is so damaged in an abortion. It really is because we don't see ourselves as whole women anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feared every day. And in fact, in some twisted way, I just really felt like, well, maybe it'd be easier if he did divorce me than if he knew who I was. Mm-hmm. That is what we live in after abortion. It is not the solution to any problem. And you can see we're talking with Jeannie and Jody here about abortion and, and the difficulty, the depths it takes to despair and of the guilt and all this. However, God's grace is amazing. <laughs> for instance, we just want to mention this. Uh, Rachel's Vineyard is, is a program that has very, been very, very helpful for post-abortive women. There is hope and healing after abortion. It's a process. It takes some time. Tell us a little bit about your healing, Jeannie. Well, once, once I broke down and then broke the silence, it was like I was on the chase. I knew, I knew there was relief out there. Somebody put me in touch with a priest um, in the Fargo-Moorhead area, and this wonderful priest, I say, he, he let me cry until I could talk, and then he let me talk until I was done. And that's what I needed at this point, was somebody, just somebody to listen to me mm-hmm. and affirm that I was at least being heard. And from there, I sought... Um, Forgiveness. I I used to go down and pray in, at, the, at the doors of the the abortionary, as you call it down mm-hmm. here. I used and I used to take the the night the middle of the night shift because I wanted to do the hardest, most powerful penance I could, and to go sit there at three four in the morning <laughs> when it's raining and cold. Mm-hmm. That was how I sought penance. And from there, it just turned one thing into another. Now I do Rachel's vineyards in someplace not here in North Dakota, but where I'm, when I'm gone from here. The Lord just l- truly led me on a path, one thing to another. I accidentally heard Jody and the pals speak at a Sunday afternoon church thing in my hometown, and I went up to Jody afterwards, and I said, you don't know me, but I'm supposed to be one of you. And she mm-hmm. is. <laughs> That's great. Now, and Jody, we only have just less than know, a minute left. But why don't you, a quick comment and then maybe another thing that's in addition to Rachel's Vineyard where women can get help. Okay, okay. Um, you know, it's so good that what you heard earlier is not the end of our story. Yes. And I want to say to any woman out there that God does have a plan for you. And Amen. it's a good and a prosperous plan. And I want to just tell you one verse that God used to really change my life. And it was this. It was out of Luke 5, 31 and 32. And it says, Jesus said, I have not... It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it is the sick. Mm -hmm. And he has not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, we thought we were too bad of a sinner for God to ever work in our lives. And when I heard that voice or that, that message, it was so clear in my mind that, you know, Jesus came for people like me. And I laid down and I cried out and I said, God, unless you save me, I surely shall die. And I felt his grace and mercy. And for anyone listening, please know that God's grace and God's mercy and God's love is so available to you. And if you want to get involved, I mean, with people like Jeannie and I and other women who've had abortions, um, I do a Bible study in the area of Fargo, Moorhead and around called Forgiven and Set Free. It's much like Rachel's Vineyard. My number is 701-367-7362. And my email address is Jody, J-O-D-Y-C-L-E-M at hotmail.com. Thank you so much, Jody and Jeannie. Up next, we'll continue our post-abortive healing with Carol Kling from the Diocese of Rapid City. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Real Presence Live.